Welcome to The Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which IMEG engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm your host, Joe Payne. And I'm Mike Lawless, Director of Innovation for IMEG. As always, Mike, great to have you and your engineering expertise on the show. Today, we're presenting one in a series of podcasts on sustainability strategies of the future. Our guest and expert for the series is Adam McMillan, IMEG's Director of Sustainability. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Hey, Joe. Really glad to be here. For this first episode, Adam, I think it's important to give our listeners a little background on how you got hooked on sustainability. Uh, I know it all started when you were a kid growing up on a farm, and you was your father and grandfather uh, and, and mom built a, a, a solar-powered home. Is that correct? Yeah, close. Uh, so, you know, first, we, we grew up on a large pig farm, and uh, my grandfathers and others were small business owners. And in those environments, you don't waste any fuel, you don't waste any materials, because the second you start doing that, uh, that eats into your, your livelihood, that eats into your business, and it's just something on the farm you don't do. So that's sustainable in that aspect. Um, but then second, yeah, you mentioned the, the passive solar house. My grandfather just kind of fell in love with the concept. And when I was a kid, I remember mom and dad, grandfather's family barn raising. We had 13 people in our family, and we needed a house. And uh, making it passive solar seemed to make a lot of sense. So we built this full envelope house that heated itself pretty much throughout the winter as long as the sun was out. And and my grandfather would play with other ideas. We had all the pig farms. He actually put in these earth tubes in the ground to, to preheat the air before it came through the farm. So it was always just thinking, how can I, it wasn't about sustainability. He didn't even know what that was the word. He just said, hey, this is a good idea. It makes sense. And, and it's going to help save my farm. And those kind of ideas eventually can save the planet. Um, so that, that's where it all started for me. And now kind of going forward in this role here with IMEG, um, we're, you know, a growing firm, 1,500 people or across the country. So ideas like that can truly change, change the world in my mind. So that's, that's kind of how I got to where I am. Oh, that's neat. How fortunate you are to have had that background. And, and it's really led you to a place where you're making a difference, not only for IMEG, but for the industry as well. Uh, and, and so today... Um, on our first uh, episode in this series, we decided we'd focus on uh, the topic of embodied carbon. Could you just give us, a, to get us started, give us an explanation of what that is in general, and, and then we, you and Mike can get into specifics? Yeah, so I mean, we've talked about carbon a lot in industry, especially the last couple of decades, and usually it's operational carbon. So we bring fossil fuels out of the ground, and we use electricity or burn gas and that emits CO2, right? So a lot of work, how can we make that less? It saves us money, it saves the planet, right? It's good. Um, not that we've solved that problem, but we've kind of got our arms around it. So the industry is saying, all right, what's the next frontier? And that is really embodied carbon. Um, and people are starting to get it. Um, there's some great clips by Bill Gates that go through this at a high level. There's a really cool one by the Wisconsin Girl Scouts. After doing some research, we learned building materials like concrete are an important part of the climate change issue and even part of the solution. So it's more about everything you make, everything you touch, everything that you buy takes energy to make. So we're trying to think about, hey, it's not the energy I use to drive my car or heat my home. What did it take to make this widget that I'm, that I'm 
caring. And in our industry, it's starting with what does it take to construct the building? In that case, the steel, the concrete, and the envelope. That's, that's kind of where it's starting right now. Adam, I watched that Girl Scout video and it is priceless. Anybody who would like to watch the video can just Google the words Wisconsin, Girl Scout, and Carbon, and it'll take you right to the video and uh, perhaps also get a glimpse of some future engineers. Mike, I'm sure you've got some questions for Adam, so I'll turn it over to you now. Adam, when you think about a building, I mean, when you start to think about it, a building being constructed, you think about the structure and the foundations. I mean, from an embodied carbon standpoint, where do you, where do you start? Like what, what are the biggest drivers of, of that embodied carbon in a building? Yeah. And there's some of the resources out there, you know, they really start to break it down um, by just reducing the amount that's out there. Um, concrete floors are the worst. Um, the more pounds of concrete you put everywhere, that that's by far the biggest ticket. Um, steel comes in there, certainly next, um, and lightweight steel structures use a, have a much lower embodied carbon footprint than a precast tilt-up building, for example. So just even those easy decisions make sense. Uh, and then of course, there's there's wood structures, which um, you know by current definition are, are carbon neutral because the carbon they have was taken from the air. So um, there's a full range in that, but most of the time that's that's where it's starting. And, and the, the really interesting thing with that is that's carbon emitted day one and that's a big number day one the operational piece extends over the building's life but those first year it's all being used so when you think of i guess when you think about concrete steel wood structures i guess concrete just uses is just that much more intensive in the carbon and the energy that it uses than steel is that what drives that embodied carbon difference is it the transportation you know what what really drives the difference between those those two materials yeah, so concrete's interesting, it's twofold. So actually as concrete cures, it emits CO2. So there's a direct release from the product, um, which is kind of rare, um, but that's part of it. The other is just weight. You know, concrete can be hauled over long distances. Now in large cities, sometimes they have, you know, canals that when it's dug out of the earth, which is carbon and put on a barge, which is carbon and floated down the river, which is carbon, and then it goes to the site um you know cities some cities have been creative about reducing that because it's cheaper and it also reduces the carbon but it's just a combination of all those factors you're digging it out of the ground you're transporting it it's very heavy it takes a lot of people to move around um and put into place and so it's really when you add those pieces together you start to get that that total picture and a lot of this structural steel has a significant portion of recycled content in it as well does that play into this at all yeah, and there's actually a really good report by RMI that just came out on this on embodied carbon and what can the practical steps you do. And doing things like fly ash content and concrete and recycled rebar is surprisingly one of the best things you can do to reduce embodied carbon. And that's not really a cost add, it's just a supply add. Um, so, you know, those kind of steps that industry signals, hey, this matters to us, suppliers will get on board. And because part of it's just availability of recycled content material. Um, I actually saw an article this week, too, in, in Europe, there was someone that claimed to produce the first carbon-free steel, um, which, you know, doesn't mean there's not carbon in steel because that's required, but all the energy they used uh, to make it and transport is being offset. So there's a lot of it, movement in the industry, and it's going to be, you know, a lot to watch here in the next probably even one to two years. Because I guess the interesting thing here is as 
buildings become more efficient and go towards net zero, the ongoing carbon emissions become less. And so that what it takes to build the building becomes a, a much bigger percentage of the carbon that's emitted. I guess the interesting thing on the timber side is when you sustainably harvest forests, in some ways you're capturing some of the carbon that your buildings have emitted in the in the past and sort of making up in some ways for, for that previous, maybe less efficient operation you're building. You know, how I guess on the timber side, how does that, you know, how does the sustainability or the sustainably harvested forests, that's an important part of the timber. And then, you know, what's kind of, what's that process of, of how they acquire the timber and then measure how much, you know, carbon savings that is? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, certified forest harvesting is really important. And in fact, if you do the embodied carbon calculations and you're using wood, there's actually two different numbers for the embodied carbon, whether it's a certified forest or not. Um, because if it's not certified, then nothing's getting planted in its place. Um, and, you know, timber is interesting too. I've just personally, I've thought, wow, if every building just switched from steel to forest, are we going to have any forests left, right? And uh, I've been told that's, that's not an issue, that um, there's enough out there that needs to be harvested anyway. Um, so making sure it's certified is certainly part of it. Um, you know, there's some discussion that early growing trees are growing more rapidly. So maybe it is taking some of that embodied carbon more rapidly in the beginning. Um, but in general, they, you know, they say that the timber is, is carbon neutral. There is some transport and, and pieces of that, but all in all, um, it feels like the more sustainable way, cause we have to build something at the end of the day. And, um, you know, if wood is renewable, then that's what we can do. Um, the other the other piece of that, too, is where it's coming from. You know, here in the U.S., a lot of our wood and even big wood comes from Canada, which isn't too bad. But if it's coming from Brazil, um, then that's that's another issue, both in terms of is it certified sustainable and the transportation of all that. So um, it does get in the minutia. But the nice thing is, at the end of the day, you can quantify these things and you can compare option A versus option B. And these are all certified values that are apples to apples comparisons. Adam, I, I wonder, is it more difficult, you think, to get this message of embodied carbon out to owners and, 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 and everybody else in the AC industry because it's a little bit more abstract is is that a fair thing to ask or or, or in, and, and if so what uh, what type of programs or movements or initiatives are out there to help get the word out yeah it, it is in an early adopter type phase at the moment um but i think it's going to accelerate faster than like lead and other sustainability movements did in the past because i think generally you know people now they are starting to understand the impact of carbon so it's really just another factor of it and when i first started to think about embodied carbon because it wasn't natural to me either i thought well operations is just so much of it why do we care um and as mike said that for a regular building that's inefficient op, you know embodied carbon might only be like 10 percent of the carbon footprint of that building but once you do a net zero building it's a hundred percent it's all that's left um, if, even if you do a high performance building, it might become 70%. And, um, you know, and that's going to be dropped in the next 10 years is going to have a huge impact. So I think owners that are engaged in this discussion are going to, uh, I think, readily um, be prepared and, and accepting of it. 
and the archi architecture community is just all over this. They just really, they've embraced it. It's something that they can do in this early building life. Um, so I, I think, I don't think there's going to be quite the barrier. And with, you know, episodes like the Girl Scouts and Bill Gates talking about it, it's more mainstream as well. And it becomes pretty obvious. And I think, you know, Adam, when you think about embodied carbon, the steel and concrete compared to a wood structure is pretty, you know, that's pretty, a lot easier to understand or, or get your mind wrapped around. I know there's a number of other components to building the buildings and mechanical systems, for example, and I know you've got a, a deep uh, knowledge there. I think that's maybe something we leave for the, for our next episode to talk about how embodied carbon impacts the rest of those systems in a building. Yeah, that next big wedge will be MEP infrastructure. So the pipes, pipes, the ducts, the air conditioning units. Um, you know, what's interesting about those, and we can get into it next time, is instead of just having one component like, all right, what's the steel? You think about a chiller, it's made up of hundreds of components shipped from all over the world and assembled in a new place. So it, it is definitely more complicated. Um, but if you think about operational plus MEP equipment, that's a huge piece of the pie. So that would be, be interesting to unpack too. Adam, Mike, thanks for a great discussion in this first episode in our series on sustainability. We invite listeners to follow the Future Built Smarter podcast on your favorite app and join us next time for our discussion on embodied carbon in MEP equipment. Until then, from all of us at IMEG, thanks for listening. And a special thanks to Wisconsin Girl Scout Troops 1477 and 1952. First, there's mining, quarrying, or harvesting, then processing, and don't forget transportation. Each of those steps requires energy, and since most of our energy still comes from fossil fuels, that means CO2 gets released for each step. Added together, those CO2 emissions are the carbon footprint or the embodied carbon of a material.